name is Beverly Hauser. Middle name is Jane. At Grinnell, I was called Janie. And the reason was because there were about three Beverly's. <laughs> Originally from uh, Chicago. I live in uh, Redding, California. 53. English Lit. So you're leaving Grinnell after graduation. Who are you with and what are a couple things that you had with you? Well, I was married at the time when I left. I got married my sophomore year. So when I left, I left with a husband who went immediately into the uh, Army. Mm. And I transferred wherever he went, right. which included South Carolina and Europe, so Germany. He, he was a Grinnell student as well? You yes. You met there? Yes. We both graduated midterm, so we did not go back for our graduation. Huh. And he had known that that was the next step for him was going into he the He got Olympic? drafted. Right. Yeah. So what year was this that you graduated? 70. No, not 70. <laughs> we graduated in 53. Mm. I think it was 53. How did you guys meet at Grinnell, and what was the oh. decision to get married like? We met on a blind date. <laughs> One of those crazy dances in the women's gym mm -hmm. with the ball, mirror <laughs> balls going around and around. Yeah. I never, after I dated him, I never dated anybody else. I was pinned. He was a dibble man. Mm. And I was in uh, Reed. Reed. Third floor. <laughs> was that pretty common at the time at the school that people were, while they were students, getting married? Or was no. it, it was primarily after? Uh, the veterans were. Mm hmm but he wasn't a veteran. Mm. But they had barracks. You know where the science, the new science? Yeah, a noise, yeah. Noise? Yeah. Uh, science building is. That's where the barracks were. They were mm. army barracks they brought in. Specifically for a GI Bill situation? Uh, for, yeah, for the married couples. Mm. Oh, wow. It was kind of cool. <laughs> so I really wasn't a, a, a normal Grinnellian because right. I was cleaning house and doing laundry and cooking and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, you were doing that while simultaneously going to, going to class and yes. doing all that. Yes. What was that balancing act like? <laughs> did you realize at the time that you were kind of taking on two roles or was it just what you no, did? You got married, it just yeah. seemed normal. Yeah. So you stepped away from Grinnell and you're moving, we said South Carolina and then overseas yeah. with him. Were there any moments of absolute surprise things that you'd never thought that you would come across um, maybe when you were overseas or just unexpected surprises uh, unexpected surprises let's say maybe in the first two or three years after you left Grinnell well I did work for a while when he was in boot camp mm -hmm. and I worked for a publisher which it's interesting after I got a law degree 20 or 30 years later mm -hmm. I went back to that same company and worked for it. <laughs> so it was, it was deja vu. Yeah. That was a surprise. So let's fast forward a little bit to what you're talking about. How did you end up going towards law school and becoming a lawyer and doing all that? Well, without uh, casting any aspersions, because I'm a divorcee, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I uh, felt it was necessary to support the family. Somebody had to. So I did. I decided to go get a job, which was impossible. This was in the, uh, by then, the 70s. Hmm. And 
the only thing I could find with, uh, with my BA was selling dresses in a store. Thank you very much. <laughs> and that was in LA. So I decided uh, this is not going to work too well, so I better get some more education. So I went to, uh, there was a, a law school not far from the house, a couple miles. Mm -hmm. And um, I went there. Was there any kind of um, backlash? Well, backlash, yes. And also on the other end, mentorship for someone. Like, was there a, a visible path for you that you saw? Well, that person was able to, in a similar situation for me, step in, go to law school, find a job, support no, their family. No, there was no pattern. So no, how did you... No examples. Are there any kind of specific tools you found yourself relying on over and over again to kind of carve your own path? It was my religion. Huh. I just prayed a lot, you know, for answers on what was the best thing to do here. Mm. And I got answers. Hmm. Go to law school. And I wasn't sure, even after I went, whether this was going to work out because I was no shining star at uh, Grinnell. I mean, my grades didn't reflect, <laughs> you know, going on or anything. Right. It took me a year to decide to do it. it was very, uh, there was a war in me. Mm. And I finally decided, okay, I will go. Yeah. And that's <laughs> the best thing I ever did. Huh. It was wonderful. In what sense? Just because it provided opportunities then to take care of your family? or what? It woke my brain up. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It had been sleeping. <laughs> I just loved law. Mm. I didn't know I would love law, but I did. You have to love it or you're not going <laughs> to put up with it because it, yeah. it's hard. Did law continue serving that role for you post-law school of kind of keeping the brain awake? and? Oh, yeah. It, it was fulfilling in that way? Yeah. I got a job. Uh, after I graduated, it took me three times to pass the bar. The time I finally passed was the best time because it was a, when I was going through a divorce, so I needed a little extra <laughs> yeah, yeah, I needed some uh, encouragement. <laughs> encouragement just because you knew what the reality was going to be when the divorce was final and you wanted to have this lined in or you were... What was your... Yeah, when you, when you go in, what, that's what it felt like. The stakes were really high. Yeah. Yeah, there was no room for failure here. And you mentioned backlash earlier. Where did that show up from external sources or even from your own insecurities about it? This was in the 70s, and it was before, it was, well, sort of at the beginning of women's lib. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking up the law school steps, and the guys hanging out on the steps, you know. Hey, why aren't you home taking care of the kids? That kind of discouragement, you know, right off the bat. You what are you doing here? You don't belong here. Go home and take care of your kids. Did it end up being a motivating factor for oh, you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Five women were just like me. Hmm. We all had our BAs. We all had two, three, four, five kids. And when we started law school, they told us, look to your left and look to your right. Only one of you will be left in four years and that was true except that all five of us women that started finished wow 
So what for you do you think it was that you're stepping through these challenges that are challenging for anybody, but especially when the stakes are so high. Mm -hmm. So there's the external pressure. And then for you personally, were, were there moments where you felt like you had, you were overcoming what you thought you were capable of, you know, like, yes, yeah. every year I was not going back. That's it. I'm through. <laughs> <laughs> and I went back every year. Hmm. Thank goodness. But the temptation to quit was was always there. Do you think that that willingness to push yourself like that was something that you had had in previous parts of your life, you know, to face a challenge kind of head-on in that way, or was it something that in that circumstance you learned how to do? I think it was a necessity of doing it, yeah. yeah. But, and do you think afterwards you kept kind of post-law school? I mean, I don't know what the the path was, but were there other kind of moments of, well, I've never done anything like this before. Oh, yes. Nobody really expects me to be able to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway, <laughs> and then succeeding? Yes, yes. It, it, that's the pattern now. What are a couple other instances of um, that? When I retired, it was kind of boring. I moved up here to Reading, mm -hmm. and yeah, there wasn't much going on. <laughs> I used to back when I was in my 30s. I, I rode motorcycles, dirt bikes mostly, in L.A. <laughs> I remembered that. So uh, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to go buy a um, motorcycle. I asked my son what kind to get, <laughs> and he said, nothing but a Harley, Mom. you got to get a Harley. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to the Reading Harley shop. And I was looking at the bikes and stuff, and nobody would wait on me. I was, you know, what, 60-something, 60 65 <laughs> maybe. <laughs> they didn't even want to look at me, you know, like yeah. I was contaminating their shop. So I left. So you went and got like two or three tattoos, buffed up, came no. back. <laughs> no, not exactly. <laughs> I went, I, but I did go down to Chico because there's a Harley shop down there. The guy that waited on me was so nice and so kind. And yes, uh, this would be a great bike for you. It was a little sporty. Mm. <laughs> I bought it and it's been a love of my life, mm. that, uh, motorcycles. Mm.